Welcome to the Revolutionary Stewardship Podcast. I'm your host, J.D. Shears, a pastor, certified kingdom advisor, certified stewardship instructor, and an investment advisor representative. We will be discussing topics such as biblically responsible investing, estate planning, and wealth transfer that will benefit you as an obedient steward. Christianity is revolutionary. Shouldn't your stewardship be as well? This broadcast is brought to you by the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. If I asked you what was the most dangerous place on earth, what would you say? Would you say the Antarctic? Possibly a, a place in the Middle East that's war-torn. Do you know if you Google it, there's actually a place that will always come up in the top three. And I'm going to tell you about it here in just a minute. Because it's very relevant to, to our belief system, our, our Christianity. I was stationed in the Republic of Panama, uh, late 80s, early 90s. And during that time, I worked on a drug suppression team. I was on the Atlantic side of Panama, which is uh, the largest city is Cologne, Panama. <clears throat> Cologne, Panama is more of the slave descendant type of, of people. Uh, Panama City is more of the upscale um, business side. Cologne, Panama is more of the blue collar side. But the unemployment rate in the late 80s was very, very high. It was probably 30%. I was told 33, 34%. So you can imagine that crime was, was very high, and it was. So being in law enforcement, uh, working undercover at times, I've seen a lot of things. Some things that you just can't imagine. Uh, some of it was just horrible. It was at the height of the drug smuggling or cocaine smuggling. Uh, most people are familiar with the name Pablo Escobar. I was right in the middle of it. Uh, the name came up frequently. Now, yes, that was a dangerous area. And I'll never forget some of the things that I saw. Because it really, it, it still influences me today on the messages that I share with people. Now, the reason I talk about Panama is because I am very familiar with Panama from the north to the south. While I was in Panama, I actually adopted my, my second oldest uh, child, uh, who was an orphaned Kuna Indian. Um, that child is now 30 years of age um, and, and, and doing quite well. Um, so I, when, when people talk about Panama, I, yes, I, I know about Panama. Uh, my, one of my very good friends has, has retired there. I would seriously consider retiring in Panama. Um, it's a beautiful country and, and wonderful people, but Panama holds the title of one of the most dangerous places in the world. And it's not the, the city of Cologne. It's not Panama city. There is an area of Panama, <clears throat> Southern Panama called the Darien gap. Now the Darien gap is about a hundred miles long. Now, the Darien Gap is actually a, a place where the Pan-American Highway ends. Now, if you don't know anything about the Pan-American Highway, the Pan-American Highway is a system of roads about 30,000 miles long, which stretches from through the North, Central, and South America. The Darien Gap is its only break. It's about 100 miles of remote swampland, no roads, no rules. In fact, in order to get into there, if you're if you're 
trying to enter legally, you have to uh, obtain permission from the Cinefront, which is border police of, of Panama. Now, the Darien has a very dangerous reputation among locals in Panama. Drug smuggling, human trafficking are the biggest problems. Several tourists have been kidnapped and killed over the last several years by drug gangs, paramilitary groups that hide out in this, in this super remote, ignored wilderness. Now, for whatever reason, that is a, it's a human highway. People from all over the world will go into Colombia Okay, and enter into the Darien Gap trying to come north to the United States. So you'll see people from India, Iran, Egypt, Haiti, everywhere. And yes, for whatever reason, well, we know where Haiti's at. It's not that far from Florida. But for whatever reason, they're coming around and, and trying to come up through the Darien Gap. Well, the paramilitary groups, the drug gangs, all know this. So what's happening is... If you go or try to, to come through, they, they hire coyotes to basically to, to lead them through the Darien Gap. They're going to get robbed. Very few people ever make it through without being robbed. They come through with just their clothes. If they had any money, any jewelry, any bags of, of personal items, it's been taken from them. Whenever they get to maybe a city in, in, in central Panama... They all tell the same story about the number of dead that they see along the way that have either been killed or have died from dehydration or lack of food. Now, it was also a hideaway or a, hideaway or a safe area for FARC, which was the revolutionaries from Colombia. It's a dangerous area, people. Now, within this dangerous area, with dark, there is light. So there are an indigenous people indigenous tribes of, of Panamanians that live there and they're very friendly people. Very friendly people. So with with evangelism, that area has always been a hot spot for missionaries to try to get into because there are indigenous people there. Okay? But, as you can imagine, going into this area is a dangerous area. Now, in 1993, three missionaries were killed there. You can Google it for the full story. Three missionaries were killed there. And there really hadn't been that many people attempt to go back into the area. Now, I've got a friend by the name of Tim Drinkard from the Midwest that had a calling into mission work. And lo and behold, his calling has placed him into the Darien region. Now, it wasn't some place that you just get on a plane and go and fly into and then take a car and say, well, I'm going to drive to this village and, and you know, so be it. it. Nothing could be further from the truth. He became friends with a local pastor in Panama who was from one of these tribes that spoke the language. It's a combination of Spanish and their own language. And as a team, they were going to enter into these areas and spread the gospel. Now, to this date, they're still doing it. But let me explain something to you, because it, th this is really relative. And it, it's actually an amazing story. So, Tim 
missionary drinker, is not allowed to stay in the villages. So it takes a long time to get there. But I, I want you to listen to this. <clears throat> to get into the village, because he's not allowed to stay the night there. He's not allowed to stay the night. About a seven or eight hour canoe ride, dugout canoe, down the river, into the village, and then because he can't stay the night there, he's got to get back in the canoe and go back up to where he can stay. So we're talking about 16 hours of boat ride just to get in to preach for a few hours. Now, they have been well received. In fact, when they went in, the people from some of these tribes said, we've been waiting for you. We've been waiting for you. Because they remembered the last missionaries that were in there and they heard the gospel and some of the older folks have been telling the younger folks about this guy, Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, Tim Drinkard and the, the Panamanian pastor, who I'm also friends with, are going in there and spreading the gospel. There's another uh, missionary by the name of Vince Payne that's doing a lot of work in the area. Is it still a dangerous area? Very. Is it easy to get in and pastor to? Spread the gospel? Nope. These people are dedicated. I mean, they are dedicated. Now, I know not everyone is called into mission work. And for those that are called into mission work, literally none are called into the mission work into the most dangerous place on earth. And it is. It is. If the locals don't get you, the environment will. Jaguars, poisonous snakes, poisonous frogs, some plants that you, it, I mean, it's, it's just a no man's land. But God has called us to, to spread the gospel. Jesus on the mount said, go out and tell the world, boys. Go tell them what I've done here. Go tell them the good news. And, and we've got missionaries that are doing that. Now, why am I telling you this story? Number one, I hope I, I hope I impressed upon you the, 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 the dangerous area. You got missionaries that are, are just putting their own safety behind them and going in and spreading the gospel. And they're doing very well. And let me add to this. All of these people that are, are being trafficked up through this area, there's actually a, a camp that once they get into the area that they're going to. Okay, the last I heard, there's a, a, about 200 people from all nations. I'm telling you, it's a, a melting pot that's going through the most dangerous place on earth that has no roads. You understand? There are no roads for 100 miles. When you get to the end of the road, you've got to put your car on a ferry to get it to Columbia. So 100 miles of impenetrable jungle. Okay, I mean, it's like walking into a, a cement wall, unless you know what you're doing. But there is a concentration camp. I don't know, for lack of a better word, what to call it. They are going into this camp, and Tim and the and and the the, the Panamanian pastor are getting access to the con or the the refugee camp. Is it's not a concentration camp, a refugee camp, and spreading the gospel, and the people are eating it up. I'm talking now. Listen, I'm talking about people from India, people that uh, from from uh, Muslim nations that are hearing about Jesus Christ in a refugee camp in the most dangerous place 
on the planet. Isn't that amazing? Now, why am I telling you this story? My question to you now is, what are you willing to do for Jesus? What are you willing to do for your creator? Now, there's seasons for everyone. And we're not all called to do the same things. But when I know people personally that are risking their lives just to spread the gospel, it fires me up. And then I, I actually have an introspect. I look at myself. And I'm like, Jay, are you doing everything that you can do to serve God? What are you doing to glorify God, Jay? And for the most part, I'm, I'm somewhat satisfied because seven days a week, I'm spreading the gospel in some form or fashion. Can I do more? I think I can always do more. But my question to you is, what are you doing? Now, revolutionary stewardship is obviously about financial stewardship. So my question to you today is, what are you willing to do? What are you willing to do to glorify God? Some of these things are very simple. Sometimes I'm quite amazed at the lack of proactivity by believers, by people of faith, regarding their stewardship. I mean, they're living in misery. They're owning things, investing in things that are, are, are profiting from killing unborn children. And they don't care. And sometimes I just don't get it. Now, as I get older, I become more understanding, but I've had to have help with that. Literally, because I have had Christians sit across my desk and I've shown them where they are they actually own and profit from companies that are in the abortion industry using fetal tissue, selling fetal tissue. And they did nothing about it. I struggled with that. You know, I'm an old law enforcement guy. I was in law enforcement for 12 years. You know, I, and when I tell some, someone something, I and normally, and this is not maybe a good thing, but I expect a response. And especially when I'm talking about the glorification of God. People, look, you're doing something here that is a biblical topic that you probably shouldn't be doing. It's not a non-biblical topic. A non-biblical topic would be, do I am I buried or am I cremated? That's a non-biblical topic. Scripture doesn't give us the answer. Do I eat at Burger King or Wendy's? It's a non-biblical topic. But when we talk about when we talk about things that that have sinful activities. I'm not saying you're sinning by owning them, but I'm saying you've got a you've got a choice to avoid those companies. You've got a choice to try to change their activities. You've got a voice, but why why aren't you doing anything, people? You've got a guy by the name of Tim Drinkard who who didn't speak a lick of uh, Spanish. He had to, he spent a year in Panama City learning Spanish before he go into the Darien region. That. that that's dedication. That's dedication. Now, I've spoken and, and corresponded with Tim several times uh, and, and tried to financially support. They had a need for a four-wheel drive because they couldn't even get close to where they were going uh, without it. But I'm just amazed at, at his level of, of, of just dedication. And then I, I look out at... at What's going on here? And here's the answer. So July 4th is, was about a month ago, right? And, you know, we celebrated. Now they canceled a lot of 4th of July activities. You know, the very few parades. There were some fireworks. But it was the revolution. You know, we're celebrating the freedom of the United States. 
And since 1776, over the last couple hundred years, Americans have gotten very lazy. All right? Now, we were founded on Christian principles. And at the same time, our Christian principles, we have gotten very lazy. And the reason for that is because the worst thing that can happen to a revolution is what? Winning. Winning is very destructive to a revolution because people lose their fire. Okay? Now, why do you think I call this podcast Revolutionary Stewardship? Because Christianity is revolutionary. And the minute that we think we win, our fire dies. We lose our, our perspective. We lose our drive. And as a Christian, we should never lose our drive. You know, our time here is limited. We've got to do as much as we can. What kind of footprint are you leaving, right? What kind of footprint are you leaving? But I look out across the masses, you know, within a 10-mile radius of, of where I'm sitting right now, there are probably 50 to 60 churches, many of them small churches, some bigger churches, maybe four or 500 people. But they're all kind of got their own theology. They're all kind of doing their own same thing, their own thing. And they're, they're just kind of shuffling people from church to church. You know, how many souls are they actually saving? How many baptisms within these 50 or 60 churches have happened in the last 30 days? I would say probably less than five. It's lazy Christianity. All right. Now I preach at one of those churches. <laughs> so I'm pointing the finger at myself and I actually brought that up uh, last Sunday. How many ba baptisms have you been made aware of in the last 30 days? And, and everyone in the church is like, I don't know. I haven't heard of any. And this is the Bible belt. And we see Tim Drinkard going into the Darien region and saving people, risking his own life to do it. And we can't do it here. From a financial stewardship standpoint, we can't even spend the time, right, to investigate whether we're supporting things that are anti-biblical in nature. It takes maybe 10 minutes to actually support those things that are God-honoring. 10 minutes. 10 minutes. I'm posing that question to you. What, what are you doing to be part of the revolution? The revolution is still going on, people. Christianity is revolutionary. We still have a lot to do. Not everyone has heard the gospel. I'm going to ask you, now this is for these those that are age 40 and above. Would you say that 2020 is better than 1980? Would you say that 2020 is better than 1975? I would say no. Why? We've lost Christian principles. We've become lazy Christians. We, we define our Christianity by going to church. We don't define our Christianity by what we do outside of that church. I think the best thing that could have could happen was this pandemic that made people get out of those brick and mortar buildings and go out and do some things. All right. Maybe online, different hearing different pastors. I don't even like, <laughs> I don't even like permanent pastors. I wish the pastors had to preach at a different church. The entire time of uh, the, the, their pastor career, every Sunday, different church, so that we could hear different uh, interpretations of gospel, and that we get locked out of this theology thing where we say, "Well, women can't wear open-toed shoes." That has nothing to do with your salvation. Get over it. 
You know, you just get locked into these things. Well, uh, men can do this and women can do, you know, we can't have gays in the church. Listen, all that is, is, is just nonsense when we start uh, uh, picking sins that we're going to focus on with our own brick and mortar uh, church that, you know, we got a sign out front that says, uh, uh, you know, first uh, Baptist church of whatever city, for example, I'm not picking on the Baptists, picking on everybody. Because I'm I'm disgruntled with my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ because we have become lazy. And then I, I really want you to, to to look, go to Facebook and, and pull up Tim Drinkard, and see some of the work that he's doing. Pull up Facebook and 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 look for Vince Payne, uh, and you just put uh, Vince Payne panel. They will pop up, and then you can see the work that you're doing. They're doing, and then look at yourself and say, what am I doing? Yeah, I go to church. Maybe I'm a door greeter. Maybe I count the people that come to church. Maybe I'm an elder. Maybe I teach Sunday school. Those are all great things. But they're all inside of that brick and mortar building. And in my opinion, I'm going to ruffle a few feathers here. Pretty irrelevant. Okay? Unless you're saving souls and out on the streets. (laughs) You know, you can't save anybody inside that church. You got to get outside of the church and save people, and you can't wait for people to show up. But at the same time, <clears throat> your own—I'm not worried t- talking about everybody else's Christianity. I'm not talking about everybody else's beliefs. I'm talking about yours. What defines your beliefs? What defines your Christianity? Well, your beliefs. And here's the here's the thing: beliefs dictate b- your behavior. So if I'm looking at your behavior, can I determine your beliefs? The answer is absolutely yes, one hundred percent. And if I looked at your behavior from a, a financial standpoint, could I determine your beliefs? This is, a, this is the hard part. This is the, the big pill that's hard to swallow. The answer is yes. The answer is yes. I don't care how many times you go to church. I really don't. I want to know what you're doing. Right? Not Not literally. <laughs> I'm, I, I want you to ask yourself this. I, I, I'm not out here investigating you, I, I, but I want you to ask yourself, what am I doing? Am I just am, am I defining my Christianity by just attending church? Or from a stewardship standpoint, what am I doing? Am I a good giver? Am I charitable? Am I taking care of the needy, the poor, the sick, the widow, the orphans? Am I doing those things? Am I am I a good saver? Am I if I you know providing uh, protection plans in, in the event that I'm not here uh, to, to to provide an income for my family? What happens if I'm gone? You know what am I doing in in, in regards to corporate America? Am I supporting companies? That violate my own beliefs? What am I doing? That's what I'm asking you to do, folks. My friends, I'm asking you to take 10 minutes. 10 minutes. Pick up the phone and call me. Let's talk about your stewardship. Let's let's actually get you to where you become revolutionary again. That you're, It doesn't mean that you're out burning things down. All right. It doesn't mean you're out hurting people. What it means is that you are working for God, that you, the things that you're doing are glorifying God. And from a financial standpoint, it's very, very important from it for a number of reasons. Here's what I want you to do today. Please. Kingdomplanadvisory.com. 
I'm not trying to sell you anything. All right. KingdomPlanAdvisory.com. I want you to get on there. Number one, I want you to sign up for the newsletter. I can keep you up to date on, on current events economically. Possibly politically, depending on if, if it has an impact on the economics. There's a place down there for you to schedule a phone consultation with me. Schedule a phone consultation with me. It'll be a wonderful, pleasant conversation. And I bet that I can help you. All right. If anything, we have a one-hour conversation between two believers. It's not a bad thing, right? 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Do not be unequally yoked with a non-believer or unbeliever. Let's yoke ourselves equally. Let's deal with each other and, and let's be part of this revolution. The revolution is happening. It's happening abroad. It's happening with my friend Tim Drinkard. It's happening in northern Panama. It's happening. I've got uh, uh, missionary friends in Africa that are that are literally preaching in pastures. The revolution is is alive and strong, but not necessarily right here. And it's time to reignite it. Listen, it's time to do something. Be part of it. We can't sit back and watch this world crumble and do nothing about it. You've got an opportunity to do something about it. You've got an opportunity. KingdomPlanAdvisory.com KingdomPlanAdvisory.com Get on, sign up for the newsletter. Sign up for a free consultation. God bless you. And I look forward to speaking to you soon. Thank you for listening to Revolutionary Stewardship. I encourage you to visit KingdomPlanAdvisory.com to read our latest articles and sign up for our monthly newsletter. If you would like to arrange a free stewardship consultation, please schedule on our website or you may call 888-226-7614. Securities offered through Vanderbilt Securities LLC, member FINRA, SIPC, and registered with MSRB. Advisory services offered through Vanderbilt Advisory Services. God bless.